Good morning, everybody. You guys can have a seat. Sorry, I just rushed through that. I said good morning, and then people said good morning back, and I just like pushed through it. Um, here, I'm going to try to like scoot out this way, because today is like weird. We always laugh to see how everyone's like running toward the shade, and then now we have like substantial shade over all this area, and now everyone's like, where's the sun? Um, so I totally get it. So mind the distance. I'm going to talk from here for you guys. Um, place I want to start is there's this, there's this guy named Lawrence Kushner, okay? Has anyone ever heard of him before? Lawrence Kushner? No, either did I, so it's all right. Um, he is a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi, and he wrote this book called Jewish Spirituality, all right? And it's a, it's a book about what it would have been like in the time of Jesus and what would have been the culture of spirituality. Because in our culture, we like to ask this question, how is your spiritual life, right? Like, we'll, we'll get together with a friend for coffee. Uh, I know for me in ministry for all these years that I've done it in student ministries, we always ask, how, you're, how are you doing, right? And we don't want to know how you're doing today. We want to go deeper than that. We want to say, how are you literally? How are you doing? You know, and we, as Americans in our culture, we go, oh, we're good, we're good, we're good. We pass it off. Oh, I'm fine. I'm doing great, right? This idea of, of asking someone, how is your spiritual life in the time of Jesus would have been the most dumb question you could ever ask anyone. Because in the time of Jesus, everything they did was wrapped up in their spirituality. You see, in, in the Old Testament, back in the 2,000 years ago, their entire culture centered around their spiritual life. They didn't have the distractions we have, you know? Like, if you come up and ask me how I'm doing, I can compartmentalize different things. I can compartmentalize my spiritual life. I can talk about my physical life, like, how am I doing? How am I doing mentally? Uh, how am I doing in relation to how the Browns or Buckeyes are doing, Right? Uh, you could, <laughs> I got the thumbs up. Um, how am I doing in how far away from or how near I am to going back to Disney World again, right? So there's like, <laughs> I heard Emily. Uh, <laughs> so there's a lot of different ways to which I could answer, how am I doing? And in this time when they would have asked that, in Jesus' time, Anything other than just your spiritual life would not have existed. Everything to them was spiritual. The, the things they did in society, the way they acted, um, every part of it was spiritual. And, and like I said, today we like to compartmentalize things. We love to take different nuances and different roads in our personal lives. And so I want to kind of, kind of like, illustrate that for you guys today. Because there's this, there's this uh, thing I like to say is what lenses are you looking at something through? A, a guy named Henry, if you guys know Henry McDougall, uh, him and I have a podcast that we do. And this is like one of the things that we talk about a lot. Like what lens are you looking at that through? Like what lens are you approaching this topic from and how are you looking at it? So I have kind of a very real illustration for you guys today. So I have all these glasses, okay? And these are all glasses that I own. And I'm going to um, just kind of 
use these to help illustrate what I want to talk about today. Because I believe in our lives, we like to look at things through different lenses, if you will. We like to look at things through different glasses. So first, we have our personal experience glasses or our personal preference glasses. Now these, these are my personal sunglasses, okay? These I bought, these are in my truck always, and this is like my style. All right, this is, this is what I love. This is everything that I, that I filter things through out of just Brad being Brad, all right? So I will look at life through these personal preference glasses. You know, I'm sure there, if we look deep into this, you could probably see the Browns logo on the side or, you know, they are brown or the Buckeyes or the Mickey Mouse would be somewhere in these lenses. And that's kind of the lens that I view life through sometimes. It's through my own personal preferences. The next thing we have that we all do is I have my political ideology glasses. And so in honor of our current president, I bust out my aviators, okay, to uh, just demonstrate that we can also look at life through political bias and through our political spectrum. So we put on these glasses and we view world, view our world through them. The other thing we have is our life experience. So these are gonna be highlighted by my cool 1980s rapper glasses because I'm a child of the 1980s and I grew up listening to LL Cool J and Run DMC and many other things. But these are my life experience classes. So these are the things I look at life through, through what I understand is life to be and the challenges that I have overcome or the life that I've lived and how I go through life. So these are my personal life experience glasses. And then the final one I have today, these are, these are a little set apart. These are fancy gold glasses, which I would probably not wear socially at all. They're just too flamboyant. But these are what I'm gonna call the truth of Christ glasses. Because I wanted to make them something that stuck out, something that was a difference maker, something that was unique for you guys to know. When I'm up here preaching to you, I'm gonna be looking at life through these different lenses, like we all tend to do. So these are the truth of Christ glasses. And as we go through life, we find ourselves in different environments. We find ourselves in different scenes, different places, where depending on what glasses we have on can alter the way that we react, all right? So, for instance, let's say that we have our life experience glasses on. You know, and I, I found this in my life as a youth pastor, uh, there would be times, as you guys know, I've transitioned out of being a student minister now, and I am our creative arts pastor, but there would be times when I'd look at an 18-year-old kid and go, why are you doing this? Like, this makes no sense to me. And I started to run out of patience because my life experience classes at 42 had different things than what an 18-year-old would see. And so I found myself handling things through my life experience, and it wouldn't always turn out great. And then this kid would be like, Brad, why are you getting on me about this? Like, I don't know any better. I was like, oh, that's right, you don't, right? But it's because I was looking at him through these life experience glasses. Or what about, this is, a, this is a popular one now, and I feel like I talk about this every time I preach, but we put on our political identity, our political ideology glasses every time we open our internet browser, or we open our phone and we read a news article, or we even walk down the street and we run into someone new and unique and different, 
and we have our political glasses on that we filter things through, we filter life through. And then also we have our, our personal preference. So these are my Brad B and Brad glasses, my Disney sports field glasses. But these are our personal preferences. And I know, I know for me and I know for a lot of people, these are the glasses we often wear into our churches on Sundays. Because we like to look at things through what we want and not necessarily through the things that maybe God would want or what others might want. So we, we enter these places with these different lenses on and how we see things. And so this month we've been in this series called The Game Changer. And the Game Changer series is specifically talking about Jesus being the game changer that he is, and specifically through his famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which happens in Matthew chapter 5 and rolls for a couple chapters there. See, the, the big thing about the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus is constantly telling us how to change the game within it. There's so many things. The first couple of weeks, we've talked about the Beatitudes, if you guys know anything about the Beatitudes, it's about turning the world on its head. You know, we talked about blessed are the poor in spirit. Doesn't sound like, you know, really, yeah, let's get them kind of thing, right? Blessed are the meek. It's about these things that we typically wouldn't think are the things that would be blessed. And Jesus says, no, this is the attitude that we need to take. So Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, is teaching us all how to put on these. His, his truth glasses, that we see the world the way that he would see the world, and more specifically, that we might see the world how God would see the world. Because it's not like these things that we put on all the time, but it's literally a, a game changer. It literally shifts the game of life when we put on these Jesus glasses, Okay? So if you guys have your Bibles today, I would ask you guys to turn to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to be rolling through a big portion of that. Because in the part where we're going to talk about today, Jesus literally changes the game, and I'm probably going to say that a hundred times. He changes the game on a bunch of topics that I think we can relate to, and they would have been topics at that time that he is speaking to a crowd of people who, again, remember, cannot separate their spiritual life from anything they do. So they're constantly thinking about their spiritual lives and they're living in it. And so you had this whole culture that did nothing but live and filter things through their spiritual life, but they had put on the wrong glasses in which to see things with. You know, they had put it on their political identity glasses or their life experience glasses or their personal preference glasses. And Jesus says, I want you to take all those off, and I, wanna, I want you to put on the lenses that are going to allow you to see things the way that I see them, all right? So specifically in this section we're going to look at today, we're going to be looking at, there's six things that Jesus challenges these people with, but we're going to look, be looking specifically at four, all right? So we're going to actually start in verse 21, verse 21. And now this section is about anger, all right? So here's where Jesus starts. So actually, I'm going to put these on to make sure that I'm reading these the way I need to be reading these. Verse 21, chapter 5, Matthew. You've heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. 
But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So Jesus, in his way of changing the games by putting on these glasses, says, you've heard murder is wrong. But I tell you, if you harbor any anger in your heart towards someone, it's the same thing. Wow, Jesus. Wow. Think about how in your face that would have been to a group of people who were so proud that they didn't murder anyone. And I, and I, I, can, under, I can relate to that, right? I, I, I hope I can relate to that. I've never murdered anyone, all right? But goodness gracious, I feel like I'm angry at someone almost every day. And Jesus is saying that those can be comparable. So this is our perfect example of how Jesus wants to shape how we see things through these glasses, through, the, through his truth. Now, I know for me, as we continue, I, I want to read this next little section, because in verse 22 it continues, and I'm going to put on my life experience glasses here and read it. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, which means idiot, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Man, that's convicting for me. And I look at that and go, oh, I don't know. I don't call anyone an idiot or anyone a fool. I'm good. Like, that's not who I am. That's not what I've ever done. Guys, I think I've called high schoolers idiots before. Like, I literally think I've done that. And think about how all the times that we, we are so short in how we deal with people. Like just this morning, I, I left here and went and got Starbucks and came back. And in that time, I think two people that I was driving past frustrated me. Like two. Like if you guys know where Starbucks is, it's like over here. It takes like three minutes. I was gone for like a total of ten minutes, and I had two people that frustrated me. And you know how you do. You drive, and they frustrate you, and they don't stop at the stop sign like how you want them to go. And you go, idiot, right? Well, Jesus is saying, guys, that's not good for you. That's not good for your spiritual life. That's not good for anything. And when I turn this on, when I put these glasses on and I read that, I say, gosh, I need to change how I act when things don't go my way. I need to change how I interact with people that I don't know. I need to change how I interact with people that I do know. Because Jesus is taking things here and stepping them one step higher. And this is the importance of Jesus' teachings. There are so many things in our lives, in our spiritual lives, that we think are perfectly okay. And we just fluff over them and keep moving. And Jesus is in this teaching, and even today still, is looking at us and going, no, 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 I care about every single interaction that you have. Every single one. And you need to be following after my truth in every single one of those. And when we look at these things through this, I think we can see that there are major issues in our lives that we need to give to him. Let's continue. It doesn't get any easier here. Uh, verse 27. You've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. 
But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. In the, in the day and the age of sex selling things, <laughs> I feel like this is something that our culture probably struggles with a lot. Because we believe that, you know, if you don't go out here, if you don't go cross this line, we're good. But it's okay to just look, right? It's okay to just laugh about it. I, I, Joey and I, um, Joey Eakers, we always joke about this. Have you guys ever heard of TikTok? TikTok is this, this like little video thing. And I, I just wanted to see something real quick, if this happens. If I pull it up. Yep, okay. Yeah, the first two things I pull up are, are pretty girls when I open TikTok. The first two things right there, it just happened. The first two things we pull up, because our, our society thrives on attraction and lust and all these things that, again, Jesus is comparing to us being unfaithful in our marriage. And he's saying this to everyone, not just to married people. He's saying this to little everyone. Anyone who has, I love Jesus. He loves to say these things like anyone who has hear, ears, let him listen. Like he's like, you got ears, you should be hearing this. It's kind of like his way. He's like, come on, come on, people. Follow along with this. Guys, we have to overcome the culture of lust in our society. Because Jesus says, that if we are lusting after anyone, we're committing adultery like, like people that we would not, you know, we don't agree with that. We would not want to be those people. But yet we, we go into these things so easily. And, and th this is another perfect example of something I love in, in student ministry, this verse right here, because it's so good. So he continues, verse 27. If your right eye causes you to stumble, <laughs> gouge it out and throw it away. Okay, Jesus. Whew. All right. This is, again, this is, where, this is where I can't be looking at this through these, like my personal preference stuff here. I got to be looking at it through these. It says, if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go in the hell. And so I have this question written down. Are these things that cause us to sin really worth it? Are they really worth it? Like Jesus says, if your right eye or your right hand cause you to sin, gouge it out. Cut it off. Because it's better. It is better for you to live as a Christian if you just get rid of the source of this terrible stuff than to actually live with the terrible stuff in your life. Now, I'm not up here to be preaching and say, all right, guys. So I just opened my phone with my right hand, open up TikTok, cut my hand off. All right, that's what I'm going to go home and do today. I'm just going to, shh, all right, right off. But here's the thing. If TikTok causes me to stumble, delete it. If Facebook causes me to stumble, delete it. If Twitter, Instagram, if this phone that makes life so easy causes me to stumble, get rid of it. Get rid of it. It's not worth it. And I think that's only a perspective we can have when we do this, right? When we put on that truth of Christ glasses, 
I think that's the only time where we can be like, nope, I get it. I got to do this. Because when I got these on, but that's my iPhone 13. I paid lots of money for that. That's how I get my football scores. That's how I stay in contact, right? Excuse, 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 excuse. Christ wants us to get rid of our excuses and start living more for him. Because remember, he's changing the game. He's flipping the script here, everybody. He's asking us to go beyond what we've ever really thought of before. Verse 38, it continues. You have heard that it was said eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go a mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Personally, personally, this is like one of the most convicting verses in Scripture for me. As we love to be people of minimum, we love to do the minimum thing to love people. Like, and, I, and, I, and I don't say that knowing anywhere where you guys are. I'm saying that because I know me. We love to be people of the minimum. What is the least thing I can do to show this person that I love them? What is the least thing I can do to be nice and kind to this person? Jesus is taking all of that and saying, you know how normally how you would act is if someone does something bad to you, you do something back to them. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, right? We love that. Man, if you get to do something bad to me, I get to re retaliate and come right back at you. Jesus says, no, no, no. If someone hits you, if someone strikes you on the cheek, turn the other one. I can think about that. I think about how just like, <laughs> how boss that is. <laughs> just how much of a balder you have to be. For someone to come up and smack me on the face, right? And normally we just like, come back at it. But to go, you want this one? Like think about that. That's crazy to me. Or to, or to say, if anyone wants to take your shirt, then hand over your coat as well. So, you know, someone comes up and they steal my jacket, and I'm just like, you want my shirt too? Right? It's just this idea that there's nothing that can be taken from us because it doesn't mean that much in the first place. Our love for Christ and our love for how we treat others is so much more important than any physical things we can have. Like right now, I am fighting the dreadful urge to pick up my phone. I'm so fighting because I'm like, that's in the wet grass. I don't know how I feel about that. We have to deny ourselves. That's what Christ is trying to teach us. Like, I love this. If anyone forced you to go a mile, then go with them two miles. This idea comes from, uh, in the culture that they lived, if a Roman soldier came up to you and said, hey, carry my stuff, you were legally and lawfully obligated to carry their stuff for a mile. That, that was a rule. Like, you had to do that. That'd be like a police officer or something coming by and saying, hey, I need you to ride in my squad car with me for this next mile. Or I need you to walk with me and carry my stuff for the next mile. Well, Jesus is saying, yeah, that's great. But my people, they go, you need two? Do you need me to go two? Do you need me to go beyond that? And that just so speaks to the heart of everything that Christ is speaking about here, that we are people 
that want to go more than what we're just asked. Because it's easy to just do the things we're supposed to do. But to go beyond it, that shifts things. That, if, if you know where I'm going here, that does what? That changes the game. Completely makes it different. Continuing, verse 43. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And the thing that I wrote down when I saw that verse was like, wow, that's timely, isn't it? Like, I feel like our whole world is people telling people what to do right now. And we all do not like it. I was just talking to Heather about, you know, work and stuff and just things that are coming down the pike of what we have to do, what we don't have to do. And, and I, you know, I, I saw, um, you just see things in the news every day about how there's just this fight right now. We can't get away from it. And we have to go back to Scripture and it says, like, it doesn't say, well, we have to think about these things, but it says, love them and pray for them. I, I feel like the entire church is, is, is very nervous about Christians being persecuted right now. And, we, and you, know, you see it on Facebook, you see it in that, that pulse of everything we have going on. And Jesus specifically is saying, I need you to not worry about it, and I need you to pray for those people. That's not what I would do, right? That's not at all what I would do. I want to complain about it. I want to fight back. I want to, I want to do all these things, but, but pray for them? Goodness, Jesus, that's a lot to ask. That's what Jesus does. When he has these glasses and we start looking through them, we see everything in a whole lot of different light. Verse 44 continues persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends out rain on the righteous and the unrighteous if you love those who love you what reward will you get are not even the tax collectors doing that and if you greet only your own people what are you doing more than others do not even pagans do that be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect and he's trying to speaking to the people that he's speaking to he's trying to guilt trip them a little bit Think about this. He's saying, I want you to be nice and loving to the people who you aren't nice and loving to. If you're nice to all the people that believe everything you believe, well, that's easy. <laughs> that's easy. You know, I think about going to, you know, my head's in football right now, but we were just talking about this week at lunch one day, we were talking about Browns and Steelers games. And it's that imagination of going to a Browns game and there's that one Steeler fan that's in the middle of all of them. And they're like, yeah, go Steelers. And he has a little towel. You know, he's running. Yeah, right? How easy is it for all those Browns fans to hate that person at that time? How easy is that? But how hard is it to say, hey, guys, he's just cheering for his team. Let him be, right? Then you become the enemy <laughs> But that is the kind of thing, like that is the scenario that this is talking about. Be the people that will stand up for those that no one likes. Be the people that stand up and do these things. And if you, if you caught this, the last sentence, this is tough. 
Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Whew. Jesus, what do you mean by that? Like, what, what's, that, what's that saying? Like, like, I can put any of these glasses on, and I'm like, yee, that's a really high bar, Jesus. To be perfect? Is my heavenly Father is perfect? Well, Jesus doesn't misspeak. <laughs> he knew exactly what he was trying to say there, and it's why he said it. That is, that is, that is the bar that we should attain to. That is the thing, that is the goal we are shooting for. Like we're not shooting for some lesser goal of Christianity or the example of Christianity around us. We're, we're shooting for the goal of being perfect. Like our heavenly father is perfect. It's the whole reason why he wanted us to give this sermon. It's the whole reason why he came to this earth and put skin on and lived as Jesus Christ to be an example for us, to show us how it's done. Because Jesus does all this stuff. Like literally every single one of them, he did it. So I'm going to have the band kind of come up and uh, we're going to move into time of worship. But we can only rise above all this stuff that we talked about today if our goal is looking like him. Like he knows we're never going to be perfect. He knows. That's why he, that's literally why he came. <laughs> because he knew we never could. But I feel like sometimes we get like this, I don't know. I'll keep the football analogies rolling. Like in a season, you want to be 17-0, right? You, that's your goal. Your goal is to be undefeated. Or your goal is to be 16-1 and or 15-2. or Right? And I'm living in this whole new world of the Browns actually having a goal that's not win a game, okay? It, it's a totally different world. But I can guarantee you their goal isn't, let's just be 9-7 and seven this year. And I think for a lot of us in the American church and a lot of us in our church culture have just said, I'm okay with just being good enough. And Christ is like, no, that's not the goal. <laughs> the goal isn't to be just good enough. The goal is to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that needs to wash across your life. And I, I guess if there's one phrase I want you guys to keep, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Like keep that in their mind. Keep that in your mind. And, and, and I want that phrase to be tough for us. Because I think it's supposed to be. I think it's completely supposed to be tough. I, I really would love us to see that that becomes our mantra in our lives. Because I can't get to perfect through my personal preference. I can't get there. I can't, I can't get to perfect through my politics. It's not going to happen. I can't get to perfect through my life experience. Or my bias. You know, there's a, we were practicing this morning and I just all of a sudden heard footsteps behind me. And there's a, a young man who walked up who just pulled off his car because he heard us just playing music. And he was like, is this a, is this a concert? Is there a concert happening today? 
It's like, no, man, we're getting ready for church. Oh, awesome. And we struck up this conversation. His name was Aaron. He like stopped the worship team, told him how awesome they were. I'm not going to go into detail about who that young man was or anything, but if I'm not looking through the lens of Christ, I don't engage Aaron the way we engaged him. It is only through the lens of Christ that we can begin to live any kind of life that would look like him. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And know that that's supposed to be as tough of a request as it feels like when we hear it. Because we know ourselves. We know how we act. We know who we call fools and idiots. We know the things that we look at when we shouldn't be looking at them. We know how we retaliate. And we know how we love the people that we disagree with. And if you're just like me, you know how bad you are at every single one of those things. And that is exactly, like I said, why Jesus came to this earth. Is in order to fulfill this phrase, he knew we were going to need him more than we would ever know. That we, that we would need to have example to get through this life, to get through this day, to get through anything that could come across us. That he is the only way. And that that is all that we could ever need.